You're listening to the Class on Grass podcast. Check out our website at classongrassmedia.com and become a patron for extra benefits. Welcome back to the Class on Grass podcast, season two, episode 15, and happy new year. Yes, happy new year. It is 2021 now. Um, hopefully, if you guys follow us on Instagram, you would have gotten our new year's letter. Um, hopefully, 2021 brings a lot of the same good stuff and a lot of not the same bad stuff. Well, I'd say there is a great period of growth for us yes, in 2020 I, I, as it was as not, a company, it did, not, it did not exist. Yeah, that's the thing. So. When you compare 2019 to 2020, our podcast and uh, media company is just so much bigger and better. Yeah, I mean, because before it wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. But even as as we stated in the message in the last month, we've grown a lot. We've added what what's the math? 450 people to our following, which is plus two or three hundred percent, which is really good. So hopefully, the growth keeps coming in. Um, we are going to start the new year off well by going back and looking at last year, 2020 and our biggest moments of the year. So I'm going to start us out and I think the biggest growth in a person and especially in a footballer. And I, I saw this on the men and blazers show. They talked about it a little bit. Um, but it's Marcus Rashford and not what he's doing on the field, but more what he's doing off the field. Um, if you guys don't know, he raised about $20 million for children who need uh, meals during coronavirus time when they normally get it uh, from their schools, uh, like at lunchtime and stuff like that. So he raised about $20 million, donating some of his own money, as well as getting $15 million from Tesco, $2.5 million from Asda, and $1.5 million from the co-op, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Really, really great to see a footballer doing that. Yeah, and he kind of says that his motivation behind it besides just, um, you know, helping kids. And that's like something you need to do. And it like, they would have been starving is he was in that position as a kid as well. He, he himself relied on those food drives and, uh, stuff like that. Cause he grew up in, you know, not a wealthy family and, um, it was kind of tough for him there. And he was looking back and saying, okay, I would have loved a footballer to help me if when I was in that situation and it's just incredible what he's done and no, it's the great support to see. throughout the country of England and you know like yeah I think that as as a football fan you can't be mad at Marcus Rashford or hate him mm-hmm. maybe before before he did all of this but at the moment you can't be mad for what he's doing because even if you don't like Man United or him on the field or something like that as a person he is doing so much for the community that he is in and for England as a whole. And I think that hopefully in 2021, we see him pave the way for a lot of newer, younger footballers doing the same thing instead of spending their money on expensive uh, trips and flights and, and things, instead maybe giving back to the communities more because they have they have been really lucky to be where they are and they've worked hard for it. But, you know, other people are struggling and it would be good to see them give back more. And hopefully Marcus Rashford uh, uh, can can show young footballers what it's all about. So that's yeah. that's really good. Yeah. And for him to be that young and making that step and, you know, donating that much money, you usually see that in veteran players. 
um, doing things that like that. And what is he like 25, 26, maybe? Yeah, um, I don't actually know. But probably something you know, I should educate myself yeah. on. The he's age still, of Marcus Rashford. Yeah, he still is he's very still young. young. I, I would I would say he's like twenty four. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just incredible from him, and I think he has become one of my favorite players just because of that. Yeah, and I mean that whole Manchester United side has become from so, from a team that I laugh at to a team that I actually admire. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah. yeah, then obviously with the lockdown, um, in the spring. Football everywhere was canceled until the Bundesliga decided to open back up as Germany had, like, the best kind of lockdown system where I, they I were able to do that. People um, followed the rules better. Yeah. And, and they, they overall got it under control faster than everyone else. Yeah. And, yeah, like you said, that, that return to play was maybe the best day of my year. Yes. O- outside Outside of my own footballing endeavors, that was the best day as a football fan. Yes. That was amazing to see. Just actually after all of that hardship and time where we couldn't watch anything and it was all just anticipation. Like being no able sports to, in yeah, general. Yeah. There, there was like replays of like the yeah. ping pong championships that were on. Um, Cornhole. <laughs> yeah. Like stuff like that. It was crazy. But the, the actual ability to sit down on the couch and watch a football game and it was sloppy. I remember the first oh, game. it was not pretty. It was so <laughs> sloppy. They had like a week to train and it looked, it looked poor. But – it was great to see and and super, super, a huge moment throughout the year. So that, that rounds up our second biggest moment. Our third one is going to be something we've talked about in the past two episodes quite a bit. Last time when we talked about it was Zakaya and the time before we just discussed it a little bit. And it's the American breakthrough yeah. uh, in the European scene this year. I, I was going through a list about maybe five or six days ago and it had... 50 or 60 players playing in top or second division teams in Europe in the top five countries, meaning Italy, um, England, Spain, France, Germany. And then there was some Sweden and Denmark scattered throughout because generally speaking, American players go to those countries first. It's easier to get a visa and uh, it's generally more like maybe home, if if you could say. But that's really good to see. 50 or 60 players playing on those teams. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I mean, huge breakthrough for the American scene this year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we've talked about it a lot already, but um, just you would not think a year ago today that, you know, the U.S. is going to have so many like 18-year-olds being scouted by Juventus and yeah. Manchester City. And it just every day there's a new like – FC Dallas player. It's always Academy. an FC Dallas yeah, player. Academy player. Weston McKinney like, came from FC Dallas. Yeah, like, oh, they're going to go train with Bayern over the MLS offseason. It's yeah. like, it's every every day there's something new and it's very exciting to see because obviously uh, missed out on the World Cup. So we haven't really seen them play at the big stage in like, what, eight years now? Yeah. I mean, we've seen them at the smaller tournaments and, and friendlies. Which yeah. they've looked good in and lively the past few, the past few weeks when we've seen them or, or months should I say, yeah. Uh, with, with the likes of Musa from Valencia, possibly Balogun, uh, Arsenal mm-hmm. striker, young player, lots of different players pouring in. Obviously, we have guys in the second division, Tim Ream, those kind of guys, but lots of good young talent on the top teams, which is really good to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, after all the leagues, uh, you know restarted uh liverpool were already ahead by like 20 points in the league 
uh, and they just finished out the season and got their long-awaited uh, Premier League title in what, like, sixty years, something yeah. like that. Um, and I it's, mean, it's their yeah. first Premier League title. It's their second or third, maybe top top yeah, tier title before the Premier League was a thing. Yeah, or it was like e- English Football League One or something yeah. like that. But um, yeah, just really exciting to see. Even though I'm not a huge Liverpool fan, it was like nice to see kind of the city of Liverpool. Yeah, um, rejoicing at that. Especially during the times we're in right now, the amount of of people that were able to come together, not physically necessarily, although there was some gatherings after mm-hmm. that, but more just the the community and and the liveliness in that town during such a hard time was incredible to see and just showed how much passion that they had for Liverpool winning that title, which was completely deserved. Whether you're a Liverpool fan or not, you have to say that that title last year was completely deserved. And mm-hmm. up until the the game against Watford, where Ismail Asar absolutely <laughs> destroyed their back line, they were the best team in the Prem by a mile. In the world, to be honest. Yeah, by a mile. I mean, Bayern, Bayern looked the best team in the world at the end of the year. Yeah. And maybe if they played each other earlier on, we would have seen something different. But the Premier League being the stage that it is, it it definitely highlighted them as the best team in the Prem and the best team in the world. Mm-hmm. But then on the downside of, of, the, of that Liverpool team, we have another huge moment this year. And, and that kind of goes with the one after this. But two huge losses, one being the, uh, the 7-2 Liverpool loss to Aston Villa, which... Although there isn't much to say about it, it's just a big loss. Kind of like last year when uh, Southampton lost to Leicester 9-0. Not something you see very often. And on top of that, Leicester-Southampton was was definitely a game where Leicester were better at the time mm-hmm. by quite a, quite a bit. I don't think, I mean, obviously Southampton are flying this year, but yeah. last year, no, they weren't. Um, so, I mean... Definitely something you wouldn't expect when Villa aren't as good as Liverpool on paper or in form when the, that game happened. Yeah, it was it was just a shock. Like, obviously Villa stayed up on the last day of the year, um, of the season last season, and then this season they come in. I think they might have won two or three in a row to start the season. So people were like, "Oh, well, now they'll lose to Liverpool by a bunch." Um, you know, this kind of dream run of uh, winning games is over and then they go out and score seven past like the best team in the world at the time and yeah it was just incredible to see like jack Grealish, ollie watkins ross barkley all just just connecting linking yeah. up all of that um and then the this the big moment that comes after that is is the or, or not necessarily after that in in the timeline before that but uh, is very similar would be the 8-2 to uh, Barca-Bayern game, although different because Barca and Bayern are two really big clubs with really good players, unlike the Villa-Liverpool game where Villa is much smaller and has a has less depth, but still a huge moment in, in football this year. And I think it marked a point in time, a, a turning point for that Barca team where they either need to find a whole new team or someone, someone to... to a coach or someone to just rebuild because they're they're letting go of Messi this next year if they don't find the funds to keep him because they can't pay his wages. I mean that's it. When you can't pay player wages, yeah. that's that's like a non league league <laughs> two type thing that we see. Yeah, and it just showed that it was um Bartomeu or whatever the Bartomeu, yeah. Um, uh, you know, chairman was and 
how he actually was the problem. Like mm -hmm. Messi had an interview a couple weeks ago, uh, and he he said like, "I'm like committed to the club." It was just it made it hard to like want to play when the the ownership is so bad to him when he wants to leave. Like how he saw Ronaldo leave Real Madrid, it wasn't like a big deal. No, it, it was, was like, it was a celebration. Yeah, it was like you know, yeah, he wasn't doing as much for Real Madrid and Real Madrid wanted to kind of rebuild and they had some young players coming in and then Ronaldo was like, yeah, and he left to Juventus and he's doing well again mm -hmm. and, you know, Barca Me just Messi, Messi leaving Barca is a problem because Messi started at Barca and, and he has been so influential in everything Barca culture. If, if you think of Barcelona, you don't think of the team. No. You think of Messi. Yeah. So Messi, Messi is FC Barcelona in a sense, which is a problem if he leaves because the the city and the fans. I mean, you walk around Barcelona, you see Messi jerseys hanging everywhere. Mm -hmm. So with that attachment to a player, if he leaves, it's almost as if FC Barcelona don't have a club identity anymore. No. And and where they find that, I don't know. But that's in my opinion where the problem lies because. If he stays and they do poorly, they still have Messi. They need to find someone else to do maybe the, the harder work as Messi's getting older, can't play as many games. He's still a magician, but maybe not as much as he was in the past. But they still have their identity. As soon as Messi leaves, their identity from the past 17 years is completely gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, moving on from that, the other famous Argentinian number 10, yeah. Maradona, Sadly passed away late November, um, you know, just kind of shockingly. I think he was only in his 60s, uh, and it was just really cool to see the world come together to remember him. Pele had just an amazing quote. I think he said, one day we'll all play together in heaven or something on, yes. on the same team in heaven. And, something along those lines. Yeah. And it was an on—it was— it was a very, very sad moment, a day when I woke up and I, I learned about it and immediately I was shocked mm -hmm. and not shocked because it happened, but shocked about how people would react because it was coming with the lifestyle that he lived. Yeah. I'm surprised he lived that long, yeah. to be honest. He, he made a lot of poor decisions, but looking at Maradona's life, when when you look at how many poor decisions he made versus how many people he affected positively throughout his life, I can 100% fully say that he is an icon to to oh, humanity yeah. in general. Yeah. You know, to how many people he influenced mm -hmm. and how many people he made just incredibly happy during the times when he was playing. It, it, it's it's crazy. And like you said, the, the, the people that came together to remember him, every single football match, every single... TV channel related to the sport. Everyone, all podcasts mm -hmm. started remembering him and started yeah. thinking about we we were actually in our break during the time that it happened. So we didn't get a chance to quite cover the subject, but overall just an incredible moment for for the world to come together and remember someone who lived such such a great life for for the people that he affected. Yeah. Yeah, uh m moving on from that, we have uh, definitely not on the same level but another argentinian who <laughs> who <laughs> scored who plays the same position and and scored quite a similar or scored quite a similar goal to to ones that you might see in Maradona reels and yeah. highlights 
and and that's Manuel Anzini for West Ham. The goal that he scored. Uh, who was it against again? Tottenham. They were down three mm-hmm. zero until like the seventy fifth, maybe eightieth minute. Yeah, it was very late in the game. Three zero down. They're kind of just kicking it around, and then they score one, and then they score another one, and Lanzini caps it off. They're getting corners and stuff. Goal. You know, ninety fourth something minute, and just you know, the from the position he was in, he was off balance. A player running right at him, and to put it bar down from the like, top corner. For, uh, being realistic, I know people say, "Oh, forty yards out." I mean, he wasn't forty yards out. He was maybe twenty five to 30 yards out, somewhere in that range. But that is a ridiculously hard shot. Put on top of that that it's the 94th minute and against Tottenham, Mm -hmm. and you have the goal of your life. Yeah, it was That is the best goal he has ever scored and will be the best goal he's ever scored. Mm -hmm. I I have full confidence in that. So that's just, you know, one of those moments in 2020. I would be surprised to see if that was not part of, like, the Puskas Awards Mm -hmm. uh, for next year. Uh just an incredible moment, even though obviously it wasn't on that big of a stage. It was just a Premier League game, but still just really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we have uh, Bruno Fernandez signing for Manchester United. June 29th of, yeah. of this year, he signed. And Manchester United fans definitely thought that he was going to be the next big thing. I can say that they were really hyped up about him. And I wasn't I wasn't so I was very skeptical mm-hmm. on, on how good Bruno Fernandez would be. I thought he was going to be a good player, but given the recent players who have transferred to Manchester United and ruined their careers by yeah. it, I was somewhat worried for him as a player. But how I mean, one month in gets Premier League player of the month. Second month does he? I don't remember if he got it, but the third month, like but the five. third month he got it. <laughs> yeah. he, he's essentially gotten Premier League Player of the Month every other month that he's yeah. been a Manchester United player, and the way that he has transformed that team. Which, and to get the Player of the Month award every other month, pretty much on a team that's not really performing that well, is I mean, even crazier. Like when Man City, obviously they are now they're second, but yeah. At the times he got it yeah, last season, they weren't true. like they were not a title contender. You know, when Liverpool or Man City were uh, going for the title, it was a Man City or Liverpool player every mm-hmm. month, and sometimes it it wasn't even the same player every month. No, I mean that's that's actually ridiculous. Yeah. to do what he has done, he he scores a lot of penalties, sure, but he he finds himself in good scoring opportunities every couple of games. And just the amount of creativity that he has in that team mm-hmm. and, and what he provides to them. Marcus Rashford's doing better. Anthony Martial, you can't say he's doing better because he had 17 goals racked up last season and he just scored his second yesterday, I believe. Yeah. But the whole team in general, Paul Pogba seems to be back to where he was. I don't know if that's due to Bruno Fernandez bringing the team confidence or mm-hmm. something with Ole. But, you know, just I think Bruno Fernandez marked a shift in that team. Yeah, and you don't see a player being that unplayable every week in and week out. Yeah. Like he you cannot physically like contain him in that team anymore. Mm-hmm. Like he will get figured out and he will not like keep this form up obviously because you don't really see that at all. It reminds me of most Salah's breakout yeah. season. But it's just incredible like right now I don't see Man U losing or at least you know, I don't see them scoring less than two goals a game yeah. if Bruno Fernandez is Here, in the Here's the deal. thing I'm wondering. 
people people say Mo Salah was a one season wonder. I disagree because Mo Salah had a forty goal season and then he's had twenty goal seasons. Yeah, twenty goal seasons are fine. That's really good. That's the most for some strikers ever. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's incredible. He he's he's a one season wonder if you think that a forty goal season is good and <laughs> nothing else is. But he's been great. There has been a decline though, and we've seen more from Saudi Omane, possibly mm-hmm. from Roberto Firmino, from Diego Jota since he's signed for Liverpool. The team in general, though, has kept up quite good form until Van Dijk has been injured, and even then, Klopp has found a way to to solidify a decent defense throughout all of the injuries that they've had. Um, do you think that Bruno Fernandes might start to to get figured out, as you said, and and lose some of his form, but then Manchester United, because of the confidence that they have, people like Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, Paul Pogba, even Scott McTominay, who's who's aging into his role and Dan James. Mm-hmm. I think those players might be stepping up more. Oh yeah, completely. And as you said, we saw that with the Liverpool team. Uh in that season where Salah got those goals, it really wasn't that many other players scoring. Uh but then the next couple of seasons, yeah, you did see Sadio Mane picking up player of the month awards, picking up player I mean, of the tied year tied golden boot yeah. that year with Mo Salah. They both got twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely could see Rashford putting away 20 goals. I could see Martial not far behind that, you know. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. So that that essentially wraps up our our kind of roundup of 2020. And the top for us, it was nine biggest things, not quite 10, but nine <laughs> biggest things that, that we thought happened over 2020. Um, but now going off of last pod... We had a quiz at the end, and we had a question about the WSL, and we had no idea what the answer was. And we received some some fan feedback (laughs) that we should possibly start educating ourselves more on the WSL and uh, and how how it's going, uh, and maybe have a segment of the pod. So this next part of the pod is dedicated to those fans who suggested that. And uh, and yeah, so the biggest thing that's happening in the WSL for our research that we found out, obviously we're not experts on it quite yet, but... The in the years past, Chelsea, Man City, and the other one is oh I can't remember Everton. No, not quite Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal. So Chelsea, Man City, and Arsenal are the three biggest, or have been the three biggest women's teams in the WSL mm-hmm. the past few years. But with the introduction of Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, they have the Manchester United to Manchester United in the WSL. Manchester United have turned things around in their form, and they could be uh, competing for a Champions League spot because uh, for the WSL, the top three teams get a Champions League spot, unlike the Premier League where the top four do. So they could be competing for that Champions League spot, which is big news, especially coming from America, an American podcast because two Americans who we know are Americans in, in the women's soccer game are the best, the best right now, but two Americans go over, completely change the game. What do you think about that? I mean, I think it was kind of time more players. I know a couple of Americans have been playing in Europe, but I think it was definitely time to see more go over to Europe. And you saw that shift with as well as Alex Morgan, even though she has, I think, left Tottenham to go back or, to the or US. Or is leaving soon. I don't yeah. really know. Um, to just prove themselves and say, like, yeah, our team is good, but we can also do it individually on a club team in Europe. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just really cool to see that. and. It's actually, I think, attracted more U.S. Uh, soccer fans 
to watching European football and to watching women's European football as well. And I think it's really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, five goals in eight games for the two of them combined um, for Manchester United. Not bad numbers to put up considering how many games you play. That That's something you might see. Uh, I think specifically to, uh, Tobin Heath has scored four in eight. And uh, and that's something you might see from a player, the likes of Mo Salah, like we were talking about, or Bruno Fernandez, someone of that echelon in the men's game who puts down those numbers every year. So mm-hmm. definitely uh, game changing for that Manchester United side. Yeah, and we'll uh, definitely yeah. you know keep track of what's happening there, and maybe give a couple more updates uh, throughout the next couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. We yeah, um, that wraps up the WSL, but we have. Just this is this this segment has to be devoted to Paul. I, I mean, every time we talk about Arsenal, it's for Paul. I mean, we just have to say that Paul. If you guys don't know, Paul is one of our uh, news media journalists, and he is a diehard Arsenal fan. And let's just say his year has been an emotional roller coaster. Oh, completely. <laughs> and I'm not looking forward to all the Arsenal fans saying. Oh, title wait, contenders you know soccer player of the year and, you know <laughs> no i got a text things. from paul yesterday during the middle of the arsenal game and he said i think we might win the title this year and yeah. i think he was serious it <laughs> it was getting to a very depressing point oh my god with arsenal even though we're not arsenal fans to see them that sad and to see that team just not doing anything yeah and then all of a sudden they beat chelsea Chelsea right now are losing 3-0 to Man City uh, as we're mm-hmm. recording this. Uh, and then, you know, they beat Brighton, sadly. Uh, and then they beat West Brom, yeah. and all of a sudden they're up to, like, 24 points. 24 points. They're sitting at... A... Southampton I, I are think, at 25. I think they're sitting at 11th in the table at the moment, at the start of this morning. I don't know if games that happen today, uh, specifically, I think the only one is Chelsea-Man City, but I don't know if any of those games will change it. Probably no, yeah. not. But um, sitting at 11th, and I think it was six points off of Champions League. Yeah, and... Which is craziness. I was thinking Southampton are at 25 points, and everyone thinks of them as, like, having an incredible season. And then Arsenal are all of a sudden only one point behind them, and they're playing them in a couple of I was just looking at the span of the points. I think at this time last year, Liverpool had some 50 points. Really? Yeah. And they only have like thirty. Something. They have thirty-three, and they're leading the lines right now. Yeah, it's a Man very City. Man, Man City two years ago, some fifty points. Yeah, Thir- Man City are sitting what fourth? Maybe I don't know. I can't mm, quite remember. I think so. Just outside of the top four, maybe. Yeah, ju- maybe just outside. But that I mean, teams are losing. Teams are getting upset all the time. Good, bad teams are are winning to to like in games that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. There, there's results going completely crazy this I think- year. Which yeah. is resulting in a table that is really compact, mm-hmm. where if Brighton were to win five games in a row, we'd be leading. <laughs> and I think ninth place to, I think, fourth place are all tied on 25, 26 points. Yeah. Crazy. Like, if you finish ninth, you're like, oh, that's a decent season. You're mid-table. If you finish fourth, that's Champions League football. Yeah. It's only by goal differential, which is incredible. Yeah, and uh, I, the only pl- team that I can see completely with their destiny in my head is Sheffield United, although we don't know yet. That's I, true. I think they're going down, unfortunately, for that Sheffield United team, for Sheffield United fans. that that's That's sad to see, but 
for every other team, I don't know who's going to get relegated. I don't know who's going to get Europa League. I don't know who's going to get in the Champions League, and I don't know who's going to win it. It's, no, it's completely... And I think that Liverpool or Man United could finish outside of the Europa League right now with the way things are oh, going, yeah. or Southampton could win the league. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. It's craziness. Villa, you know, they kind of fell off, and now they're back, and now they're like fourth. Yeah, it's it, the league... With a game in hand or something. The league is absolutely crazy right now. Something that might be crazier, though, just just to throw it out there, is Zach Steffen currently on a clean sheet where his team's <laughs> winning 3-0. After, yeah. after his first touch on the ball with his hands after Kevin De Bruyne passed it back to him. Yeah, where a back <laughs> pass and he picked it up and they got a free kick. Which is not a good start, but he's, he's keeping a clean sheet... So I don't far. think he's touched the ball since. Man City are completely dominating this game. But uh, 41 minutes in, almost a halftime. We don't know how this game is going to end. You guys are going to be listening to this, and you'll know how it's going to end. But even if Zach Steffen lets in three goals and it's it's 3-3, three, three, I think it's a huge accomplishment and milestone oh, yeah. because it's the first Premier League American goalkeeper since Tim Howard, I believe. And Tim Howard was an absolute beast and, and just staple in the U.S. soccer for so many years. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was our guy. So if Zach Steffen can become that, obviously the only reason that he's not he's playing is because Ederson's out with COVID. But if, if Zach if Zach Steffen can become that staple in US soccer, that that's gonna be really good. Yeah. And there is uh as you said, this there's a bit of a fear of the Premier League getting postponed for a little bit due yeah. to Fulham having a pretty big outbreak. I think it was people are reporting around nine positive cases. They've gotten their Game against Tottenham and Burnley canceled in the past two weeks. Uh, and then as well as Man City, they're playing today, but they had like three or five cases, including Kyle Walker and Ederson, as you said. Yep. So people are kind of saying, all right, let's be careful now. I mean, some people are like, I, I know Big Sam said, you know, I'm 66 years old. I do not want to get COVID. Yeah. Let's just postpone it for now. And then there's players like, or uh, pundits like, Gary Neville, I think, um, was like, you know, we're past this at this point. You know, we can't recover from this. There's vaccines coming. Yeah. Just play on, you know. And, and, and there are vaccines coming. It's given everyone hope more than more than previously. But I think a big thing to note is uh, is that if if this virus spreads, we could have half of the the teams out with covid oh completely. and that's really really bad for for the league itself mm-hmm. yeah and i think it is tough because people no matter what do not want to go back to a time with no football and you know this league is just getting back to its best they were putting fans in the stadiums that has now stopped due to conditions in england but the last thing they want to do is you know uh, canceled for a couple of weeks. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's I think it's sad to see because, especially like you said, the fans they got put into stadiums and then taken out. Every time you do something and then you retract that decision, you know, you say, "Oh yeah, here, go back to stadiums. We're gonna start letting two thousand. We're gonna phase this. We're gonna go two thousand. We're gonna go five thousand. Then we're gonna go ten thousand. And then about two weeks in to two thousand fans back in the stadium, you take everyone out and you put rules down saying it's not gonna happen anymore. Then you're you're just blowing the hope of everyone yeah you know everyone's thinking oh we're, we're coming back we're gonna we're gonna be all good in a few weeks a few months i'm hoping that the vaccine does something but they, i think for now until until that happens 
people need to just calm down, stay yeah. safe, use the protocols, and make sure that we can just keep playing. Yeah, it's not out to the whole public yet. It's yeah. only uh, frontline workers. Yeah, right now, I think depending, I mean, in the United States, it's it's depending on state-by-state state guidelines. Mm-hmm. Some states are saying people over 70 get vaccinated first. I think that's Florida. Some states are saying that healthcare workers should get vaccinated first. I'm not going to get into the debate about who gets it first no, or what, but I that's think that's not what that, we're here to do. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I think that uh, hopefully that it can get rolled out to to as many people as possible as soon as possible. Can't wait for fans. Yeah, honestly, packed. To, j- just to wrap up today's pod, yeah. I just can't wait until fans pack the stadiums again. Just looking at looking at. Uh, in general, videos of of the past years before coronavirus was a thing, how how fans went crazy, how games could turn on its head just because of fans Mm -hmm. giving their team that little bit of energy. I mean, to be honest, I think that teams like Brighton and Sheffield have been extremely affected by their their fans not being there. I've said it before, uh, you know, once the season resumed last season, that the relegation battle teams, those are the teams that are going to hurt most. The big teams don't need fans no. as much as teams that, you know, they're down 1-0, they need points. Mm-hmm. And if they're at home and their crowd is on their side yeah. and they're getting chances, that's so much better. I think I think without fans, it's more down to skill. I think with fans, it increases the amount of will and heart that players oh, have yeah. and that affects the game. With mm-hmm. fans, it gives people that extra push. And I think that's why we've seen relegation battle teams doing better in the past but then again i think this year is so weird because we are seeing some relegation battle teams doing well but they're just doing it well consistently Mm -hmm. it's not that they're pulling it out every once in a while like a brighton or a sheffield you know maybe used to but we have we have villa and we have southampton both doing well consistently week in week out so i'm wondering if there are certain teams with certain players and certain coaches that do better or I think everyone would do better with fans, or but don't get affected as much by mm-hmm. the lack of fans. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if, like, if coaches and uh, coaching staff have, have, like, changed their tactics due to, you know, maybe, oh, this formation, these tactics would only work if they need that extra push from the fans in yeah. the last 10 minutes, or let's maybe sit back a little more because to save stamina, because they won't have that extra push from the fans. Something like that. It would be interesting to see. Yeah, no, something to talk about next podcast. Yes. But as of now, Happy New Year to all of you guys watching. Hopefully 2021 brings a lot uh, lot more joy and and better, um, you know, just overall life throughout all of our communities. And we will see you guys next week. So for now, peace. (laughs) Peace.